Hello, and welcome to the Keen on Things podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Keen, with the best 30 minutes of sleep in show business. Uh, this is coming out just a couple days after uh, the previous one. The, of course, the previous one. Uh, this is episode 115, Pedestal Existence. I had a different title for it, but I was write the title out to get me started and then veer off into some other topic. And then I go back and I'm like, oh, it should be called this. So this time I did that. Uh, God, I'm sure there are people out there who wish it were the Keen Off Things podcast. Keen Off Things. Same initials. Uh, You know what I mean, ladies? This guy knows what I'm talking about. You know, enough with the self-deprecating. Sometimes I do it too preemptively. Preemptively too much. Like, give it a chance. You don't need to go right into the self-dep. And I do that on cruise ships sometimes. And it costs, and people see it. No matter how dumb you think an audience is, they do see things. I've seen things people... I've seen the. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Uh, and you know what? The self-dep is a little too safe, right? It's a safe space for a comic. Um, it's a little cowardly, to be honest. You know, not standing behind your material, not standing behind your person, not standing behind yourself. Uh, It's like you're telling the people not to like you before they get a chance to decide, which it would go the same way anyway. There I did. There I go. There I go again. What's my weakness, men? Uh, Like me. Like me. You know, that's what we're up on stage doing a lot of the times. Hopefully we can get past that in life too, right? Quit doing things uh, so that other people will meet their approval and sacrifice yourself and who you are to fit in or whatever. That can be at any age. You know, like a couple teenagers or preteens who, who think everything is lame. You're just you're just pulling the rug out from under yourself when you're overly self-dep. Uh, and who knows what psychological effects that has on you and the room and the show. You know, hey, a woman might be interested in you, but you convince her not to be with all that self-dep talk. Don't scare away beautiful babies, as Vince Vaughn Trent tells us in Swingers. Um Guys, this podcast, the Keen On Things podcast, is brought to you by ScriptPipeline.com, the company who will read your script, uh, your writing submissions, and not only get you great notes, but get it into the right people's hands and read by the right people's eyes, seen by the right people's eyes. It's a great entry-level way to go. You don't live in Hollywood or L.A., good for you, and aren't really in the inner circle. Have Script Pipeline take care of that that necessary evil stuff that you don't want to be a part of uh, from anywhere in the world. Or if you do live in L.A. or Hollywood and aren't satisfied with the headway you've made in your time there or not made, give these guys a chance. You know, one more set of eyes on your work won't hurt. Uh, All this time you spent on this project, your script, what's another $50, $60, $100? That's a bar tab, okay? You're trying to make this dream come true. Um, You're going to have to throw it at the wall, even sometimes knowing knowing it's not going to stick. Not only is it not going to stick, uh, the wall is so lubed, nothing's going to stick. Throw it. Anyway, you're only going to learn from it, right? There's failure. There's uh, success, and there's learning. Uh, the only failure is not trying. But Yoda would tell you, do or do not. Do not try. Okay. Um, so not only a script pipeline, a good source artistically, you know, good notes, story structure, uh, creative, uh, original content, Uh, But the ugly side of strategizing and marketing the project, the script, is it sellable? Should we wait a year? Uh, Who who are some possible leads? Uh, The part of the business of the art form that artists hate, I'm sure. 
scriptpipeline.com anywhere in the world uh i'm in manzanillo woman zanillo and it's so funny normally all aboard is 7 p.m sometimes later sometimes earlier than seven usually seven six something uh for woe manzanillo it's 3 30 p.m i was like what because i got off late right i was working out i was writing hmm, brag uh and i walked around or i walked off the ship and i was like what time six seven and they're like 3 30 and i'm like oh no i've only got like an hour 15 and so i walked around a little bit and i was like yeah 3 30 works you know captain's like yeah 3 30 we're out and we're going to uh oh Mazlan tomorrow i didn't know that i thought we were going to cabo straight away we had two sea days but Mazlan and then cabo this place is dead anyway so we are out of manzanillo uh, i never did any research on this town it's further north it's just north of zuatanejo where that town comes into effect at the end of the uh movie shawshank redemption right the pacific has no memory we've talked about that uh is anybody keeping track of these podcasts and like maybe i could do a, a comprehensive quiz exam at the end it wouldn't be a quiz if it's comprehensive i don't think uh this place is dead anyway i never did any research on the town and i didn't hear anything going in and let me tell you something there's a reason i didn't hear anything because normally there's a buzz about the town you're going to uh you see people like today you see people on the ship in the pool on days you're in port when they're supposed to be in port you know there's uh not much going on off the ship and that's how it was today you walk out and everyone's at the pool i was like a bit what town are we in that nobody's visiting one of those ports it's one of the ports where you need to make advance i hope this works sound wise because we're on the ship and you might hear some buzzing and i might have to just re-record this later uh which would be a bum d uh and then also like i'm finding later in the episodes there's a little buzz so i don't know if i'm doing something wrong or what um so yeah this is one of those ports where you have to make advanced plans to charter a boat for scuba diving or fishing it is a great spot for marlin fishing i saw some fish uh in the kind of where we were getting off uh little bibs but uh it's a great spot for marlin fishing which i would do um and i'd redo my scuba certificate diving scuba diving certificate i think i'd have to redo that after 20 years and only one use and in korea in a second language um so yeah pretty rusty uh i would do it if and when i get more stability with the cruise ship circuit you know once i'm happy with a set that is bulletproof and works for these twats audiences uh i'd feel a little more adventurous when i hit these towns and you know what maybe i shouldn't be waiting and i should be going out there and as a matter of fact i do need to do that regardless uh but my first priority is always to walk around the town and see it when i'm hitting a new town see the buildings the structures uh, and then second, third trip, do something. No reason for that anymore, right? Just go, go, go big. Fishing, I would do. The snorkeling and the uh, scuba would be second, but I would love to go fishing and just pay someone, whatever it is. Throw a little money down, learn. The experience is incredible. The structures here uh, of the buildings are similar to Bologna. The buildings, the walkways, the arches, uh different than cabo or vierta i'll tell you that so different that i didn't even notice what the structures and buildings were like in those towns because i was having too much fun uh but next trip to womanzio womanzanio or ensenada which was kind of like that um it's going to be some boat chartering or papua new guinea or numia numea which is new caledonia or maybe can 
cans or can cans spelled cairns uh you know sydney was great brisbane was really great um so those towns probably you want to see more but some of these other towns you want to get on that boat okay uh unless i've got stuff to do on the ship which i don't okay we're all done oh here's a transition we're all done getting the shots right question mark the shots people are vaxxed or they're not i did three i did the two early ones that had to be a certain what four weeks apart exactly or something um and then one booster who's to say if it did anything i did get sick once during all that but i could still taste so i don't know uh but the coughing lasted a long time the phlegm and such and i'm not sure if that was a strand of the cove not sure if the shot helped me would it have been worse if i didn't have the shot all these questions uh i will say it looks like cardiac arrest is up in people with the shot am i just getting steamrolled by a statistic that exists for another reason and it's being fed to me differently i don't know sometimes in the middle of the night my heart feels too active a little too anxious that was never happening before the shots um and i'm like oh boy what's this am i am i a goner um <coughs> excuse me not sure if it's the shots themselves for this heart thing or if it's turning 50 and just kind of really honing in on cleaning up some of the things in my life that have weighed me down so it's too much on my mind in the middle of the night like it wasn't because uh, that could be possible possibility uh, maybe some overthinking going on maybe some doubts as i try to move forward really trying to shed some um, bad habits or create good habits in places that were, were just vacant uh, maybe pandemic lockdown was a reset and helps people take a snapshot of their lives uh, which it definitely did with me who knows also my cholesterol is high i need to eat more fish less red meat and cheese so it could be just a collision course uh of responsibilities of trying to be more self-led um and what that entails and maybe it has nothing to do with the shots plenty of people got shots and they're fine but you really want all the people that got shots to be fine also i'm neurotic and paranoid i had a fake vax card for a bit but i didn't want to get caught using it for fear that i'd get blacklisted um mostly in the hollywood or mostly yeah kind of in the performance arena kimmel jimmy kimmel show called me one day to work and i canceled because if they found out it's fake regardless of whatever people believe someone there will feel like i was putting them at risk and i'd lose that friendship and be disgraced kind of uh and i didn't want to lose one relationship over there um, I don't have a huge career, so that, so what would I get blacklisted from anyway? But I didn't want to ruin all the years I put in there. The off chance that I drag something in there and somebody catches something and then it's found out I wasn't vaxxed or I was carrying uh, when saying I was vaxxed and wasn't, then it's over for me, right? And word gets around. It's like, eh, not good. Uh, it goes for the cruise ships as well. If word gets out, I have some elderly people who are... Um, you know immunocompromised get it for me for whatever reason um couldn't live with myself that'd be bad and you get blacklisted anyway so uh had i waited six more months there wouldn't have been an issue you know 
but I did need it for Italy when I went there about nine months ago. I'm pretty sure I had the real card by then. Uh, but the people who didn't do it seem to be in the clear now. They don't have to do it now. My instinct was not to get it and ride it out, but I went with it. I thought it was... I did think it was too convenient that a solution came right as Biden got into the White House, but I went with it. I really hope I don't die soon, but if I do, I hope the coroner doesn't cover it up if he sees something. I don't know how he'd see something that wasn't there. Like, ooh, that's from the shot. Um, also, I want to just, I'm going to go on record here. I want to do the natural thing with my body. I read that about that recently where it can kind of be um, composted. Uh, I really want to do the Native American thing where your body is left on a board on stilts for a few days outside. Just let it all hang out. Um, but I would like to do that natural thing I just saw. I just read a nice article about it. Not be buried in a box, not cremated, but some nature-driven shit. You know, hopefully that's a long time off. I'd love to go another 50 if I can somehow keep the body going and stuff. Um I just looked out the window. We're at sea. I didn't know that. The port isn't even in sight. We're so far gone. Uh, I didn't realize. How, how does a ship this big, Princess Royal, move without people knowing it? Um, oh, easy. A detached, neglectful comedian too focused on his own thing. Um, the whole process is so foreign to me still, the cruise ship. You know, you, you want to interact, but it is kind of a distraction. Like, I've been really focused. Uh, to, when did I board? Yesterday yesterday and today just really focused on the act because you want to be fun uh fun and meet people um but you do get kind of pulled away uh from your set a little bit and you're joking around and you're jacking around jack jerking around um so yeah it, it takes you it, it takes me off my focus a little bit uh, as much as i'd love to buddy up with some people and i have um, you know, spend time on your bits. Just tweaking an old bit here and there feels good. Familiarizing your act with what's in the moment, right? People who would never go to a comedy club is what you're dealing with. With the, never watch a stand-up on TV or Netflix. None of these people would. Uh, they don't laugh. They hardly smile. Uh, are all at your show? Oh yeah, these people are all at your show because it falls between bingo and trivia. It's the generation right after the greatest generation, right? Spoiled old, spoiled old whites riding coattails of brave English, Canadian, Australians, and Americans. Jesus. Wow. I, I write this at a different time than I record it. And when I'm kind of going over the notes here, I'm like, wow, Jesus, take it easy. Um, yeah, it says right here, I'm taking this all way too seriously. Okay. Um, I don't know what the distance would be of seeing a shark and not freaking out. I'd have to not be in the water. And not on a bridge above it looking down. Um, who knows? Call in. Tell me what a good safe distance is from a shark. Uh, Super Bowl is in a week. Less than a week now. Where are we? We're halfway through this. God, you got to be asleep. If you're not asleep by now, something's wrong with you. And now you really need help. I don't know why like sleep medicators don't um, advertise with me. This is a... Well, probably because I'd steal their biz. Nads. Um, okay. What's in this? Okay, Super Bowl mentality. Okay, so Super Bowl's in a week, and it takes something extra to win that game. It really does. I mean, you can go in with game plan and talent, but you just it, you, it needs to fall on the right day. You need to be in the right mood and show up. You can only do so much prep. Uh, you know, the Parcells, the Maddens, Chuck Knoll, Joe Gibbs, Lombardi, 
Landry, you know, all had to learn, right? It seems like Andy Reid had to learn. Shula, Ravens had Ray Lewis, Belichick, Jimmy Jones. Okay. Walsh was kind of an outlier because he wasn't the blue-collar guy. Um, Joe Gibbs also coached San Diego before. He coached under uh, Coriel in San Diego. And he probably learned, why can't we get it done? Because Coriel had that amazing offense. But they just they couldn't win big games. And Madden, it took forever, right? Um, but Walsh learned from his time with the Bengals under Paul Brown. And Walsh can be tough. He can be a tough prick. But you could, you could see a Walsh team maybe getting to the Super Bowl and um, they're like, ooh, everything's too But he had Ronnie Lott and Fred Dean, Jack Hacksaw Reynolds. Anyway, so the Bills, the Buffalo Bills, are going to have to learn that. That's the team that sticks out to me right now. They're a little too cosmetic. You know, they score. They got a great offensive-minded coach. They got the great quarterback. But they need the grit. They need playoff grit. The Pistons needed to learn it. The Bulls needed to learn it. And they did. Um, Bengals, I think, have it already. You know, I think they'll win a couple. That quarterback is enough of a prick. Good prick. Like a Brady prick. Not a crummy attitude prick, but a, a player for his team prick. A teammate prick. Um so yeah some of these teams it's it's like they're sophisticated and they're pretty but but man to get to that super bowl uh, and win it is a whole another thing like you really need to build up an identity these defenses you know whether it was the broncos in 15 was it or the ravens a couple times or the bucks uh those belichick uh giants teams the belichick patriot teams no matter how sophisticated someone is or a coach is, you need that blue collarness. You know that part of that is filling the roster with tough guys, but part of it is being tough yourself and less academic. You know, Marv Levy was a Harvard guy, man. He was an academic guy. You know, it's not really fair. He was close in the first and the fourth. They should have won the first and the fourth. Uh, the one against the Redskins and then the first one against the Cowboys were not to be, especially since um, Thurman Thomas couldn't find his helmet to start the game. But the, the the Redskins were amazing that year. What a f- what a what a fascinating podcast. Um, anyway, yeah, the current Bills coach they, has that feel, you know, sophisticated offense, but not the goons you need on defense. Good goons, you know, um, tough pricks that don't care how they got to the big game, but now they're there and they're going to make it happen. Raiders of the seventies need to figure it out. They did. They won three. Uh, well, by nineteen eighty three, they won three. You know, um, you just there's many ways to go about it. Sometimes you just outlast the opponents. You outlast your rival in the division or in the conference. Andy Reid needed to figure out all those lost conference championships, a couple lost Super Bowls, uh, and he made it, and he's going back, and I think he'll take this one. Uh, I'll, you know, Sean, the coach of the Rams, Sean, I'm blanking on his name, McVay, he learned, went up against Belichick. They just gave a lousy performance, 13-3, to uh, but he learned, and they figured it out last year. They could do another one. It's going to be tough, though. Um, all these great offenses and big games. And the lockdown. Okay. It involves luck, too. It involves luck. But the Super Bowl is something else. It's something special. And, you know, the Super Bowl is only a final step, but it's a huge step. Like, you can make it to the Super Bowl and still be a very far, very, be very far from winning a Super Bowl. The Chargers in 94, the Giants in 2000, the Pats in 85, Raiders in 02. Raiders had some extenuating circumstances. Their center, you know, 
goes and parties all night and ecstasy and then suffering from depression and can't play in the game that throws you off and also the other team's head coach knows all your plays uh now buddy ryan may have been too heavy-handed in that direction and needed a little more glitz and kind of offensive intellectual planning same and then you know uh ditka ditka might have been too hardcore you had too, god you guys had on those on the same coaching staff Ditka probably could have used some intellectualism because that team should have won three in a row. Point is, you can only prep so much in this life. Uh, for comedy, I've written plenty, but I haven't made it work on stage like it should, like it could, like I can do. Um, I haven't trimmed enough of the fat. I, you know, I fall in love with the writing and want to keep everything, and then if it's really nice, I want to keep those same jokes. And uh, you know, I haven't experimented with some other things with new stuff or enough with new stuff or maybe a little edgier stuff i hold oh here's where the title comes in ready you know when you're watching a movie and finally the title of the movie is placed into the dialogue and you're like ah or you see it written down in a sign or something so i hold the material on a pedestal and need the audience to hear every word you know uh and you know it's like it's easy, right? Find where the joy and the joke meet, where the audience gets off, and then you get out of there and get to the next piece, get to the next bit, the joke. Um, don't dwell. It's like that coach that has everything mapped out, but then can't execute on the field because you can't deal with the life part, the reality part. The, you can't deal with the defense, or you can't deal with your own players. You know, you've overcoached or made it too complicated. You can't deal with the audience part. You have to take that into account, right? You can't prep. You can, I'm sorry, you can prep as much as you want, but it all depends on how you perform on the field, how you execute. I can have all these jokes, so many endless jokes, dude. Uh, but until I let the audience into who I am and find a rhythm, there will be a limit on how successful I am, how well it goes on stage and overall in a career. Um, so, excellent. Excellent. So, we're at 22. So, uh, performer or athlete whatever you want to focus on the right things you want your energy and your angst and your anxiety you want all that channeled into the right portal uh, you want that energy to go to the positive and not passive fear you know trying you worry about trying to remember new material no you should be or trying to remember plays it's like stay in your lane hammer you know hammer that home okay belichick's players are more afraid of letting i can't believe how much football well, super bowl week belichick's players are more afraid of letting their coach down than they are of the opponent oh that's good yeah that's and that's a good thing you don't want to let your coach and players you're like you want the game part to be easy i felt that way under hardigan man like someone who was bigger faster stronger i was like yeah but i just don't want to go face him on the sideline for not showing up whether I get dominated or not, like I'm just going to show. And I didn't care about being looking silly, thank God. But man, Hardigan, I thought I'd escaped his clutches in high school because I made it to my senior year, and I was pretty much playing only offense, and he was heavily involved in defense and didn't concern himself with the offense, kind of hands off a little bit. Um, until our tight end coach left going into our senior year, and he took it upon himself to be the new tight ends coach. And I was like, no, I was out. Like, I was really going to enjoy the senior season. Then he coaches tight ends, instills more contact in the drills. We already do more. Has a guy, has a player 
with a shield stand 10 yards away and hit us as we're going for the ball whether we catch it or not he's just hitting us with a shield that was his only assignment fellow tight end thad zach gets knocked out and we moved the drill while he laid there waiting for a team doctor who wouldn't show up um we didn't stop the practice or even the drill we moved the drill business as usual thad was conscious and kind of writhing and uncertainty i remember harding yelling like the side of his mouth while still watching the drill that we were continuing he's like come on thad you know where you're at like don't be ridiculous um god i got knocked out by feeney once he was a db little assassin uh after catching a pass going over the middle and it didn't hurt the good news is because everything went black so fast there wasn't time it was just like it's black and then you come to and you're like all you know is how did i how how was i one second running catching the ball i held on to the ball by the way and now i'm like coming out of a hit and stan bruno was on defense and he was a grade school friend of mine and in, in high school as well year behind us and he tried to help me up and he got yelled at by Hardigan. don't help him up and it's like oh my god what like what is a mat like what is this this is like terror dome um but it was awesome playing for those guys that guy uh so anyway you want that energy and excitement to attacking that stage not being afraid of it and worrying too much and this and that like a quarterback just like it's like the first play was always just send trevor our quarterback up the middle let him get roughed out let him get like out of his head a little bit okay comedian and performer and friend mike o'connell had a quote in rolling stone magazine back in the summer of 2023 he was featured in up-and-comers i mean to be featured in rolling this isn't like variety's top 10 to watch at the laugh factory which uh it's 10 comics that never go anywhere or just whatever um don't trust any top 10 comic list you know other things music movies whatever but never trust a top 10 comics to watch list unless i'm on it uh but his quote in rolling stone magazine back in the summer 2023 they were looking for a quote and he's like what do you think man i was like i don't know maybe say something like i do comedy and music and somewhere in between lies mike o'connell you know thinking that that was something profound and mike's like okay um what about this and this is mike's quote that was put in the rolling stone magazine back in the summer of 2023 ready here it is barefoot and bourbon riddled i attack the stage like an enemy that needs to be told twice i'm going to repeat that barefoot and bourbon riddled i attack the stage like an enemy who needs to be told twice i mean that is just poetry my god beautiful i'm like yeah go with that one go with that one and uh just phenomenal he's amazing um so my friend's son we have a tribute for her in a week uh for him in a week the family you know so i'm not going to be there rex devonay memorial tribute i'm going to miss it by a day it's on february 13th and i get back into town late on the 14th and i feel terrible about it but i can't get out of this contract um but it doesn't matter because they're going to be so inundated with people that it'll all seem like a blur um and anyway the circle of friends keeps stressing the long haul and how once the momentum dies which it always does that's when you're really going to need to be a friend to people rex 19 years old young forever young in minds and hearts right tyrannosaurus rex uh reigning king 
so I have no upcoming shows. I'm doing Rick Julian's seven, 70th birthday party, but that's a private gig in late March, so not only is it a long way off, but nobody's invited. Good plug. Okay. A um, couple ships coming up this month. Just making it work, right? And as my brother Dennis says, you've got the best things to complain about. You know, he's got two daughters, he's married, and so there's a lot there. There's a lot of estrogen. But as he says, you've got the best things to complain about. Um, funny story about Dennis, right? I volunteered he and my sister, Katie, to be class captains for our high school. Uh, and I told them they didn't really need to do anything. I would just attach their names to a letter for the yearly fundraiser, Eagle Fund. And maybe they could share a link on social media. I'd donate money on behalf of all three of us in our parents' name or whatever. They didn't need to do a thing. They approved. Well, actually, I may not have asked either of them. As I hear myself say this out loud, maybe I didn't ask. Maybe I just thought it. But I did make them class captains without their full knowledge of the situation. A couple weeks later, the letter uh, and the email, right, call to action and the ask and stuff like that, go out to all alumni. And Dennis, my brother, calls me and says, hey, I just got a letter to myself asking me for money from me. I'm so, so this is him talking. I just got a letter from myself asking me for money from myself. So it was a, he was sending himself an email asking him for money. Uh, and I explained it to him. And it's quiet on the other end of the line. And he says, you know, I really hope comedy picks up soon for you. You, you really need to keep your night job. What in the hell is going on over there? And so, uh, pretty funny. Pretty funny stuff to get an email from you asking you for money. <laughs> so that went out to all his classmates. And uh, anyway, so damn funny. My sister, I don't think, noticed any of it. So she just doesn't uh, check in all the time. Uh, okay, so no upcoming local gigs. Did we already do a half hour? We burned it, huh? Yeah, we're here. Okay. No upcoming gigs, local gigs. Uh, doing Josh Mooney's podcast on February 18th, which is a Saturday. I think I'm in town for that. Uh, it was just Groundhog Day that always reminds me of Brian Doyle Murray, whom I got to meet through Steve Byrne. We drank at his house twice, twice. A Friday night late and a Saturday afternoon. We ate barbecue. We watched a Cubs game. And this was an early season Cubs game. Like an April. April or May Cubs game. Now that's a fan. And it was on in the and it wasn't just on in the background. It was on and we were like watching, talking. I think they were playing the Cardinals, which makes sense. Huge rivalry. Um, and we were in St. Louis where were we in St. Louis or Kansas City? We might have been in Kansas City for that. Um, he keeps a house because his wife is from there. Um, much younger wife. She was a PA on the movie JFK, where he played Jack Ruby, who kills Lee Harvey Oswald. Um just amazing stories, amazing movies, you know, such diversity. And he likes a whiskey boy. I was hungover that day. Um, and then Sunday night, I think after our last show, he texted Steve because he had watched some of the stuff on YouTube. I think he was having surgery and it was the middle of COVID. So he couldn't come to uh, a show and be exposed or, God forbid, expose others if he had something because um, it was a social distancing show. Anyway, he texted Steve that he liked one of my jokes. Um, and what a life that guy's led. And they do their annual all-Murray golf outing. Uh, I don't know if it's in Florida or in Chicago. But uh, it was fantastic. The joke he liked, do you want to hear it? I have a joke where I say, uh, 
So I've never been married, single, and, oh, and I say being single and childless isn't a choice. I was born like this. And he likes that joke. He laughed. And I don't know if he texted me. I think he texted Steve and Steve forwarded it to me because I don't think I have his number, which is a bummer. All right. Um, thanks for listening. Keen on Things podcast. Keen, Keen, K-E-A-N-E, which I have to really go slow when I spell it for people. K E. A-N-E. Because K-E-A, it's just like K-E-A. It's like a sound. I don't know. Uh, euphoniously, acoustically, it doesn't sound. Um, audibly, it doesn't sound clear. So it's K-E-A-N-E. And I have to go slow. Because um, people want to do K-E-E-N, K-A-N-E, or K-E-E-N-E. And it's always the fourth option. Uh, okay, Keen on Things podcast. Keen of comedy on all social media platforms. We will see you next week. Thank you.